Welcome, listeners. This is your 10-minute checkpoint podcast with Sancho West, where I talk about video games, movies, music, sports, and sometimes wrestling. Wherever that comes to the top of my head, all done in 10 minutes. Today's date is April 30th, 2021. And boy, do I have a doozy of a show for you. Let's go ahead and put 10 minutes on the clock, and here we go. All right. Now, The Last of Us community, for those you don't know, is a huge part of my gaming career. My YouTube channel is specifically built on this bad boy of a game. But The Last of Us news keeps coming. And this is coming from an IGN article from a Script Apart podcast where Neil Druckmann appeared on. For those who know, Neil Druckmann is the game director of The Last of Us. And he said, and this is in regards to The Last of Us TV show. When I worked on the movie version, a lot of the thinking and notes were like, how do we make it bigger? How do we make the set pieces bigger? Druckmann did not find the point fingers at who in the studio provided those notes, but he said that the approach was responsible for the film's downfall. Quote, it didn't work for The Last of Us, and I think that's ultimately why the movie wasn't made. So for the longest time, listeners... Basically, the Last of Us movie was been in development for such a long time. I could think to about maybe two years after release of the initial one that I've heard rumors of a Last of Us movie, and this is the same time with Uncharted. Now, the notion that Uncharted has always been this thing: how can we make set pieces bigger? It makes sense for it as to be a movie. Personally, I think the Uncharted would be so much better as a TV show. And I have my hesitations in regards to Tom Harlan and Mark Wahlberg helming the Uncharted Sony picture. Tom Harlan has said in the interview that he feels not confident about it. But I've always believed, and I've said this before on the podcast, that actors do not make the movie. It is the editing, it's the pacing, it's the direction that makes the movie. Actors do their best to, of course, portray the roles. And they could certainly have an outstanding performance. But... You you will not believe how much is left on the editing floor. So it's all up to the editors and whatnot to make sure they could complete that performance into something coherent. But let's go back to The Last of Us. So, so interesting that Neil Druckmann kind of acknowledged that. And I do agree with him that this deserves to be a show. So he goes on to say in the podcast interview, our approach to The Last of Us was let's make it as indie film as possible. Let's approach it as an indie film team, the way it's shot, the way how smart, intimate it feels, and the show we get to lean into even more because we don't have as many as action sequences as we do in the game. So that's going to be so very interesting about it in regards to what they talk about when it comes to gaming mechanics and the show itself. He said, quote, in the game, there's certain mechanics of the pacing purposes. Ellie can't swim. <clears throat> that's for me. You have to engage those mechanics every once in a while. You need enough combat to train those mechanics. And you can throw all that out for the TV show because now we're in a different medium. So let's play to the strengths of this medium. I, for one, have been talking about a lot of this show and have been very excited across all my socials. And I think it's going to be a phenomenal show considering that they have the showrunners from Chernobyl kind of leading the way. If it's given any kind of gravitas as Chernobyl, you're going to have a very impactful show. Already the cast is kind of rounding out. They've already announced a couple of cast members. Of course, Bella Ramsey is going to be Ellie. And then you have Pedro Pascal is coming as Joel. And then they also announced in between that Tommy will be played by Gabriel Luna, which for those who don't know, played the Terminator in the latest Terminator movie and played Ghost Rider in the Marvel show. And not only that, 
is a friend of mine. I know him. He's a great actor from Texas. So it's going to be so fun to see that. It's very interesting that there is more of a Latin flair going into The Last of Us going forward. But, of course, when you cast a Latin actor like Pedro Pascal, of course, the brother would be Latin as well. So I'm looking very forward to that uh, in this whole thing. And another thing about this as well is that there somewhere else in the news article talked about that The Last of Us 3 is in an outline type form where most likely Neil wrote a couple of things about The Last of Us Part 3. I'm not even sure if I want to see a Last of Us Part 3. I think they had a great ending in The Last of Us Part 2. Not going to go into many spoilers about that just in case you're a listener who not necessarily has played The Last of Us. It's a phenomenal game series. I highly recommend it. So anyway, so basically there's that. That's not very that's very common by the way. I know a lot of people may be surprised, but I feel like that's one of those headlines that we're kind of reaching for a bit. I mean, a lot of developers that I know usually scrabble a lot of different notes on different like napkins or in random things like that and most likely Neil Druckmann has like a kind of napkin type outline for that. So that is going to be the Last of Us news that I have and of course a lot of people, when they hear The Last of Us Part 3, I'm sure listeners as well who are big fans of my community as well, were like, no, I don't want to hear about Last of Us. I just want to hear about The Last of Us Factions 2. I don't want to hear anything else. I get you. I'm in that same boat. I'm excited about Factions. So let's go ahead, since we're all on the talking about multiplayer, let's talk about the new news that we got here regarding the uh, Halo has Halo? just given us an update. They're talking about crossplay, the super ultra wide settings, the triple keybinds, and much more. So there's going to be a lot of good things from the PC side of things that the PC is going to be built from the ground up with the PC strength. So they, they they go into a huge blog, but some of the things that really stand out to me is that matchmaking will be based on inputs. So it's not going to necessarily be, if you're on console, then you're going to play with PC players with keyboard and mouse. And at the same time, if you're on PC, you're not going to be playing with other PC players on controller. I think that's fantastic. For the longest time when I've been playing Halo, I love playing my first-person shooters on mouse and keyboard. Maybe a surprise to some of our listeners, considering that I do play Fortnite on controller. But there's something awesome that I love about the mobility and the flexibility when it comes to mouse and keys for first-person shooting. So, this is great news to me. Because when I play the Halo remasters that's out on Steam... Every time I'm running across someone with the controller, I seem to lose a heads-up battle and my shots to the dome. Granted, maybe I'm missing, maybe I'm not, but I know that no doubt that controller does have advantage, at least in the Halo remasters, okay? That's a whole other debate for Warzones and Fortnite and all that stuff that I want to get into. But you can clearly tell the difference when you're playing on those Halo games. So this is exciting news to hear from the Halo team. And I cannot wait to get into it. And of course, with the Halo news, that brought about a whole other slew of other things, especially the debate about battle royales i already had a whole podcast on this if you want to go back to listen to it stemming from a courage day d tweet that said that if halo does not have a battle royale be one of the biggest mistakes in gaming history now in today's type of post golden boy for those you know golden boy alex mendez who's a longtime caster in the esports world and cast some halo games and he himself said that he'll be fine if Halo did not have a BR, that 
with what he wants, he, all he expects is to have like the solid things like Team Slayer, uh, ball things of that sort. That if it just has a solid thing like that and a decent gaming loop, then then they then he'll be in business. And then Nick Merckx, we all know who Nick Merckx is in terms of one of the most popular gamers in the world, specifically for Warzone and Fortnite. I would say one of the most, probably the most popular Battle Royale gamer out there, replied and kind of reiterated what Courage JD said that without a Battle Royale, it would be a huge mistake. And I agree. Now, I don't agree to the certain extent like Halo is not going to be, you know, one of the biggest selling Xbox Series games ever. Da-da-da-da. It won't break records. It won't win awards. This is that. I get that. But here's the thing. When it comes to streaming games, if you don't know, like streaming games, there's a natural rhythm to things. And for some reason, Battle Royales have that natural rhythm where there is a certain staging and there's a certain level and you set it all up and all of a sudden there's engagements and, you, and at the end there's a top 10 and you could really tune in and as a viewer there's something like you know you could go do your thing you could hang out you could lurk and then when you get a top 10 you could stop whatever you're doing you could stop working but don't tell your boss and all of a sudden tune in to the top 10 situation and you get all the intensity like yeah and then you enjoy all that or the heartbreak so i just feel there's a natural flow of things and well, before we wrap up, uh, uh, we will talk about, I did play in a playtest for Apex Legends Arena Mode, but let me continue on here. So the whole point about it, even Chaco Taco, another prominent streamer in the Battle Royale scene says, doesn't, he's still hoping for Battle Royale. I don't think Team Slayer Oddball Capture the Flag can keep most people's intention. And that's the thing about a good Battle Royale is that it extends the life shelf of a game. And I've always said this when it comes to multiplayer, more people will play your game throughout the entire time and then get exposure to your single player if you add a multiplayer day. For the longest time, multiplayer add-ons have always literally just been that, an add-on, especially during early development of different games. You single player and all of a sudden, there was somebody out there that says, this needs to have a multiplayer, and they just slap together a multiplayer. And before you know it, the multiplayer is not as great. It just stinks. And now everyone's like, you know what? Multiplayer is a waste of time. But let me tell you this. Multiplayers are really solid for your game. So if you can execute them to the T, you will have a long withstanding channel. Before we go, let's go ahead and wrap up the last kind of story and tidbit here at the 10 minute checkpoint. We might be a little bit over, but let me go ahead and talk about Apex Legends new mode that I have a privilege. Shout out to EA for inviting me to the play test. They didn't pay me or anything or sponsor me to tell you about this because all I did was give an access to the playtest, and I just wanted to bring my listeners here on the 10 Minute Checkpoint podcast about my experience. I really think this is quite interesting. Now that the kind of it's kind of interesting, you know, I've been talking about it. BRs of the future, BRs of the future. But this kind of mode, which is a traditional 3v3 currency base where you start off and you buy your weapons and then you fight it out and best best uh first uh you gotta win by two type of vibes. Those are the kind of engagements, I think, that definitely that a battle royale could roll into, that they could add into the repertoire of these big maps. And if they add this kind of gameplay, these game modes that are permanent, that do have a solid rank system, then you're looking at the future of battle royales. For the longest time, like I, I don't get me wrong, I love battle royales, but I don't like the scramble for loot. I still think battle royales need to figure out this dilemma about dropping in, scrambling for loot, all that, blah, blah, blah. All that is gone and erased when it comes to this arenas mode that they're introducing. It's all about the way of the gun, and it's all about positioning. And this is a great mode for players who do not want to grind the meta of a battle royale but still enjoy the game's movement and gunplay 
or characters and lore. And Apex Legends has an A plus in all those things. The only thing that I've always feel that it's a hiccup for Apex Legends is that it needs three players. And because this mode is three players as well, you're going to need three players to play this. I played this as a solo. Very difficult. And considering that a lot of the Apex Legend players that I played in this playtest are super good, I had a very difficult time playing in these lobbies. So I, I, I think it's going to be great in terms of if you're going to play casually with your friends because there is going to be a rank mode and hopefully that a lot of the players that really want to sweat it out will be in that rank mode, but I think it's a great opportunity to drop in, to, to play some new champions, to see what's all about, and then drop out. So if you want to check out some more information and see the game in action, check out my YouTube channel, at Sancho West, to see that Apex Legends Arenas in action. But that wraps up this 10-minute Checkpoint Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in and supporting. I see the number of listeners are going up and up. You're telling your friends, you're leaving some high ratings and high remarks all over the place, wherever you're finding this podcast. And for that, I thank you. I bid you adieu. Enjoy the weekend, and I'll see y'all on Monday. Bye!